Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Shuttlepod Podcast. I am your host, Kaylee Yacovino, and I am joined today by Brian Drew. Hello, everybody. And Jared Whitley. Hello, friends. And today we are still talking about Picard Season 1. We are in our eighth episode of the new series, um, which was entitled Broken Pieces. It was written by Michael Chabon and directed by Maya Vervilo. Uh, For the read of the synopsis this week, uh, we will have the enchanting voice of Mr. Brian Drew (laughs) reading us the synopsis provided by our good friends at Memory Alpha. Alrighty. When devastating truths behind the Mars attack are revealed, Picard realizes just how far many will go to preserve secrets stretching back generations, all while the La Serena crew grapples with secrets and revelations of their own. Nerissa directs her guards to capture Elnor, setting off an unexpected chain of events on the Borg Cube. Dun dun. Dun dun dun. Um, I think it's become a tradition now, I think, to like, um, grade the synopses. <laughs> so she's like, yeah, oh, that was a good one. Or, or no, that didn't sound anything like the episode. This one's pretty good. I think the last few yep. have been really good. Yeah, they're spot on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's do our round table. Um, just right off the bat, general reactions to the episode. What did we think? Um, why don't we start with you, Brian? I thought it was an okay episode. Um. I thought it was very, 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 very exposition heavy. <laughs> it felt like they were explaining the previous seven episodes and this one in many ways. Um, uh, there's some great character stuff, particularly the scene between Picard and Soji speaking about data. And there's some great stuff about Picard admitting his own shortcomings. Um, there's some lovely stuff there. And there's other great moments between um, Rios and Rafi and how she, she, she has to kind of like sleuth what is actually wrong with him. I thought that stuff was good. Um, but yeah, there's just a lot of that, that, that whole scene when they're all sitting at the table together, they're basically just sitting there explaining the plot. Mm-hmm. Like stuff like that. Like felt like it just felt like they were like, they were, they got to the point where like, Oh shit, the finale's coming up and we have to clear all this stuff up before we dive into the big stuff at the end. So if it, it felt kind of lopsided, the episode felt lopsided to me because of that. But like I said, not a terrible episode, just something I was maybe expecting to have a little more momentum heading into the two part finale. Hmm. I guess that's the best way I could describe it. How about you, Jared? So I'm going to kind of reiterate something I've, I've mentioned before. Um, I really think there are too many characters in this, and it's unfocused. Because I'm not sure what like the central action is. For example, there's mm-hmm. this scene with, uh, with uh, Rios and all the different holograms, which was a cute scene, right? I thought that was cute. But I'm watching this and, th- and thinking, okay, so is this show about him? But of course it isn't because it's about the guy whose name is in the title, who's been our hero for the last 33 years. And so I look at this and think, I wish they would just make a separate show about Rafi and Rios, right? And just do that and like a sort of a Starfleet's answer to Firefly. 
and then do just one nice little thing with Picard with four or five characters that's just this nice little tight-knit thing. See, because you can have a big, um, expansive supporting cast, but if you have to develop that, right? I mean, like, Deep Space Nine had a huge supporting cast after seven years. They want to do it after mm. seven episodes. And so the, the one thing that keeps kind of grinding my gears is I wish they would combine the Agnes character and the Soji character into just one, right? Because I, I like either of them, but I feel like there's not enough material for two characters who are kind of similar, I feel. So, so I don't know. It, it feels kind of pointless at this point to be making that kind of observation, but I just feel like it, these episodes are too crowded. And it makes mm. it hard for me to focus on it. Sure. Well, and I mean, talking about crowded episodes, this this was certainly the episode with the most stuff in yes. it by yeah. far. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so, it, um, so it underscored that particular problem, if you feel it's a problem, which I do. Sure. Um, I actually, I like, I'll go have the opposite point of view a little bit with you there. Um, I actually really liked the Rafi and Rio stuff and... Um, you know, I find myself more complaining when there's all these characters and there's nothing for them to do. Um, I thought it was cool that we got a little bit of dive into both of those characters. It made Rios finally whole for me. You know, we've been waiting for some reveal related to him and we got that. Um, and yeah, watching Rafi, just as you said, Brian, watching her sleuth through his psyche using the holograms was so cool. I thought yeah. it was awesome. I that was it. fun. Yeah. Um, I... I I will say I actually really loved this episode. I'm going to have a, a, a totally third view from, from both of you. Yeah, that's good. Um, and, you know, honestly, when, I'm, when I was watching it, I could see all of the issues that you guys are bringing up, particularly you, Brian, when you said, like, there's so much expository dialogue of just, like, let's sit down and let's make recap this for the audience. And my brain, my, like, logical brain was like, ah, oh, narratively, like, this is an issue. But I didn't care because mm-hmm. I was so into the episode. I loved the the hologram stuff. I loved the scene that you mentioned as well with um, Soji and Picard talking about data. Yep. Um, I loved the stuff with Rios, learning about that, seeing all the connections. And I like that they called back to this all the stuff that happened earlier in the in the season, so that it felt like those moments, the things that we've learned, haven't gone to waste. They all had some role to play. And even something my brain was saying, ah, isn't it convenient that all of these things are so, like, they ended up with the one captain in the world who's ever seen this other synth that looks just like Soji before? That's convenient. But again, I didn't care. Yeah. (laughs) Because I I, I knew that it was, like, a literary problem, right? But my brain was, like, suspended that disbelief. I had no problem suspending that disbelief. And so I was really into it. And by the end of, and, and I get it too, a lot of people don't like that, like, mystery box thing. Where it's like, mm. it's this big question and all the, yeah, and what's going to happen next and just keep keep you guessing and keep throwing twists and stuff. And I get tired of that as well, but it just worked for me this time. So hmm. I loved this episode. It was one of my favorite ones. Of the, really? Of the whole, you would of use the, the word season. love. I would use the word loved. And I, and, but okay. at the same time, like I'm saying, I totally understand why someone wouldn't. I, it just somehow, something about it just clicked with me. So, Fair enough. Maybe I was in a really good mood when I watched it. <laughs> a really good cocktail that evening. I don't know, but I loved it. All right. Nothing wrong with that. 
So, all right, why don't we like break it down? We can just go kind of in order of the stuff we saw. Again, a lot happened. So maybe we'll try not to uh, <laughs> not to dwell too long on some of the stuff. We'll have to go through it kind of quickly. Yeah. Um, but it makes sense to start on the grief world, which is where the the episode opens. And what I like to call the glowing carousel of doom. <laughs> or glowing or glowing little plastic table that comes in a pizza box. So, so uh, my, my reaction to it was, hey, I thought I was watching Star Trek, not American Horror Story. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Watching them like rip their faces rip off. Rip their faces yeah. off. I'm like, yeah. oh, it's American Horror Story Coven. Yeah. Yeah. It, that, it was it was pretty grim. <laughs> yeah. And it opens the show. It opens the episode and it's just like, damn. You hope it's you, yeah. you hope that it's not the rest of the episode isn't gonna be like that. And of course it wasn't. But yeah, it's, it's rather like that it's escalated str- quickly. Yeah, it's very strong material. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't really need the ripping the face off thing. Um hmm. But um, they really want to drive the point home that these visions are powerful. <laughs> so to me, when I saw that, I'm thinking, okay, my one of my first thoughts was like, the visions weren't very coherent, right? There were flashes of horrible things. Mm. And, and, and presumably they got more context out of it than we did because we didn't want to rip our faces off after seeing it. But to me, it almost felt like Okay, wow, if these visions are that powerful, so we already know that after seeing them, it was able to turn Jurati into someone who would kill her mentor and lover and this person she holds in such high regard. Like, she murdered him after she saw those. So they're powerful enough to change a person, like, almost like a like a brainwashing thing or, like, it like rewires you somehow. Yeah. So I'm thinking, like, if that's happening to Jurati what if the the Jat Vash are their whole because because this the scene was supposed to tell us right oh this is the answer to why the Jat Vash hate synthetics so much it's because there's this um vision foretelling this galaxy scale apocalypse that happened 200,000 years ago and that's going to be caused by synths and that's going to happen again but what if it's just that these visions are screwing them up in the head so much that they're all just sort of crazy from the visions and they're they're sort of like brainwashed from them or brain damage yeah, from them or something yeah. like that. But like that that the that this isn't like a warning. This is just messing them up. Like just a weird cult mentality and that's all it is. Yeah, like they don't have a logical reason mm-hmm. to feel this way. They're because tr- they're trying to apply some logic to it. Like, oh, it's because it's this but what? I don't know. Plus, I guess I'm not one for prophecy anyway. So I wouldn't be convinced. But, I don't know. Am I reading too much into it? No. No, I don't think so. I no. would kind of like it if this series ended up being like, this is what, almost more of like a warning about cults or something like that. Like, <laughs> don't allow yourself to be brainwashed by glowing pizza tables. <laughs> it doesn't feel like that's what it's going to be, but that would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> Gl- glowing pizza tables, huh? <laughs> yeah, watch out for them. Uh, that, you see that, one that, of the dark alley kids, turn yeah, away. This is important now. Message now as it ever was. <laughs> Ooh, and I have to say because um, I'm the volcanologist in the room. 
Did anyone else see that lava lake? Oh, the, uh, yeah, that was really cool. When they flashed images and yep, stuff, yep. one of the images they flashed was a lava lake, and I saw it flash by and went, go back, I think I know where that is, and I do know where you that did. is. Yeah. It's a volcano uh, in the DR Congo called Nyirgongo with a 300 meter wide, so like 900 foot wide lava lake, 900 feet in diameter. Um, so you can walk up to the summit and look down and see this 900 foot in diameter lake that's amazing lava that's amazing and i've been there and i was there a couple of years ago filming a documentary um for the bbc and pbs nova oh yeah and i tweeted a picture of it um they tweeted the picture from my t- of my tv uh, on that shot and then the pi- a picture of it that i took when i was there i was so excited that was a cool show thanks so anyway, that's my that's my fun nugget of <laughs> that's my Easter egg for the evening. Very cool. The lava lake. Do you do you want to talk a little bit more about the specific images, or do we want to just leave that be? Because a lot of those images that they were we were seeing are resemble images we saw on Discovery. Yeah. Now they could just be using stock images because so things um, are going by fast. There's like a, a synthetic, uh, like an android or robot or something that looks a lot like... Arium. Um, yeah. Arium. Yeah, from Discovery. Yep. So, you know, some of that stuff could be stock shots just to, you know... But at the same time, I don't think they are because in this day and age, when everything gets dissected, I tend to yep. I tend to think that that was they're not just there to be there like just to you know be like chaotic did not to be like this like terrible chaotic imagery it's not just there to be that those shots are there for a reason they know people are gonna freeze frame this yeah they know well, yeah they know it's gonna be dissected that's what I'm saying so it's like I know so is there gonna be this connection to the AI stuff and discovery you know. I hope not. Also, we live in a world where everybody wants, every studio executive wants to have a cinematic universe. <laughs> it's true. Well, Star Trek already is a cinematic universe. It, it already is. So nothing lends itself as well to trying to do that than as something that's been doing it for 30 plus years. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, it, it, it it's definitely, we had to bring it up though, because like, especially that shot of the android. It looks so much like Aaron. It's not her, obviously, but like the basic design. It's the same style. The basic yeah. design is is very similar, and it morphs into a shot of Data. Yeah, well, and it's worth pointing out too that in the episode, I think it's the episode where Gerardi gets the vision from O. Um, they use the same footage, the exact same footage that was used in Discovery when Spock is mind melding with the Red Angel. Oh, that's right. So, yeah, so there's another data point for that. So, it'll be interesting to see if that's going to pass, that we're going to get, like, some sort of centuries-spanning saga here. Yeah. Involving... It'll be really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the reaction to something like that would be very interesting to behold. <laughs> yeah, I would... If- the, the silver line I would not want that to happen. No. But the silver lining of that for me is it would be watching the fan reaction. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll be mixed. Yeah. So. But, you know, 
we don't really know where anything's going at the moment, so that's kind of exciting. You know, we're heading yeah. into, we're heading into this two part finale. We really don't know where it's going to end at all. Like you know, with with, with Discovery season two and parts of season one too. Like it was kind of easy to predict where it was going. Yeah. This I I don't know about you guys, but I don't really have a firm handle on where it's going to end. Me neither. Yeah. So that's good. But I do I will say that for the first time, I think one of the things I really liked about this episode is for the first time in the series, I'm really invested in the mystery box, if you will. I'm mm. really invested in um Rafi's quote unquote conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. Um, because finally pieces are coming in together and I can see the whole picture starting to you know, it's like putting together a puzzle and you can start to see an image start to form. Can you? Um I think so. Well, I think this episode did that for me because it put together it, it it gave everyone in the group something to do related to this one mystery box thing. Mm. So True. I still it is still it is still kind of like where are we going with this? I totally agree because I don't know there's not like a specific thing that everyone's in search of. All that we have so far is we're going to go to the synth home world and then profit yeah, and then, yeah. So, yeah. So I do agree, but but, um, I liked them combining all these different things. Although I will admit it was a bit at times overwhelming. So, but um, instead of me just repeating myself, why don't we move on to the board cube well, stuff? Yeah, but we should mention that during the you know the glowing carousel of doom. Nerissa, Nerissa survives it. She's the only one who doesn't try to like kill herself, and that's when yes. we and that's when we learn things. Something we've all known for a long time, which is that mm-hmm. the Zaf the Zadvash planned the whole synth attack on Mars. Rafi was right. Yep. And then we find out that Ramda, that woman who was going on and on about prophecies and soji and a whole bunch of other things a few episodes ago we find out that that's nerissa's aunt aunt yeah yeah so they tried to give nerissa a little bit more depth i don't know if it really worked i still hate her (laughs) she's still i have to say she's still still this mustache twirling asshole yeah oh yeah the villains are still the weakest part of the show the the board cube in general has been a kind of a whole big letdown yeah well yeah Definitely. And I have speaking some stuff of, to say about that. And speaking of the board cube. Yeah, speaking of the board cube, why don't we head on over se- to the good, meanwhile? Yeah. Good, good segue. In the cube. Let's warp on over to the board cube. <laughs> um so we pick up in the board cube with Elnor fighting for his life. He gets hit in the face with a flash grenade, and then who shows up to save him? Seven of nine. Seven of nine. Surprise, surprise. Um I think everyone knew she was coming, right? Yeah, was I think it a surprise? so. Wasn't it in the next week on Star Trek Picard? Oh, it well, I, I get, yeah, it was, I guess. I don't watch those, but. Well, we knew she was coming back. But it was obvious because they called the, the, Fenris, the, the Fenris Ranger, like, calling card. Yeah, yeah, meme. yeah. Yeah, the moment, the moment that, I mean, I actually expected her to show up later in the season than she actually did. I thought she'd show mm-hmm. up for the finale and, like, you know. You know, help them out 
with whatever they ultimately end up doing. But so, yeah, I, I guess I was surprised that she came in now. So, yeah, but I was surprised last week, last episode, because I knew it was going to be her when they called the Fenris Ranger, mm-hmm. I guess. Oh, but um, one thing I do have to say is that while we don't have much time to mourn Hugh, um, I liked that they at least gave us a beat of seven stops and looks at Elnor and says, where's Hugh? Right. Because she she assumed that Hugh had called her. And so we have that one second to sort of grieve. And yep. As pissed off as I am that they killed Hugh, I liked that moment. Yeah, no, that was good. I agree. I agree. Um, so she decides ultimately to become the Borg Queen in an effort to wake up all the drones that are in stasis. Mm-hmm. And she kind of just uh, jacks herself in. <laughs> right? I mean... <laughs> Totally. I mean, I don't know how else through, to put it. Through her jacket. Through her clothing. Somehow? Through her clothing, yeah. no less. Yeah, right through. Um, Nanoprobe something something. Yeah, all right. And then she... <laughs> right. <laughs> so she's, she wakes up the drones. You're not even going to try on that one. Just yeah. something something. Huh? Well, why, like, they, 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 they didn't try, so why should we? No, exactly. why should we? <laughs> so did, they... did her spine kind of glow when they did that? <sighs> Didn't yes. her spine kind of glow green? Yes, it Did glowed it? green. Okay. Kate, yeah. was that a reference to Battlestar Galactica? Because in the, the pilot episode when number six is having sex with Gaius, her spine oh, gl- glows red. Yeah. I think it was, I thought it was a reference to like, to um, First Contact because we see the, the, the Borg Queen comes down and she's just like, um, she's like shoulders and a head and yeah, a that's spine. Right. Yeah, mm. that's right. Oh, yeah. So that's yeah. what it reminded me of. Okay. All right. But good call on BSG. I totally forgot about that. So she ends up becoming the Borg Queen briefly. Wake us, wakes up all the drones. And just, as soon as they wake up, Nerissa has the atmosphere on the Borg Cube dumped and everybody dies. The end. The end. And like, I, I, I thought that whole thing was kind of weird. Like, why? What was the whole point of I that? I agree. I agree. I hundred percent agree. This okay. was the weirdest part of the episode. For yeah, me. it's like it's like oh shit, we need we need to bring Jerry back. What are we gonna do? <laughs> and she also just like her character. I don't know. She's just pissed off all the time. Yeah. And I don't like it. I don't like your attitude, Annika. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll be. But it was yeah. It was so it was. She was just like no, and it was like okay. So. Why did we set this whole thing up and spend time waiting for them to get there? Their yeah. plan was just immediately foiled. Yeah, and the entire... Now I think we're done with the Borg Cube. I mean, I, there's no reason for us to return there. Yeah. At least... Yeah, and so they're just, I guess, Seven and, and Elnor are just, are just there now. They just live at the Cube. Although they did show it, like, repairing itself, so maybe they can fly it? Yeah, maybe. Although Elnor is in the next episode. There were stills of him. So, I don't know how he's going to get, unless he's going to step into that. The beaming thingy? Yeah, yeah. That that device that could potentially break Star Trek again? Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, that one. Now we'll sweep <laughs> that one under the rug. Yeah. I forget that never happened. Yeah, yeah. What I have a feeling we won't be seeing that again. No, probably not. Just like we never saw the uh, the one in Into Darkness ever again. 
Yeah. Um. So yeah, I guess that's the end of the Borg Cube and the whole interesting reclamation project and all that stuff. That there was some interesting ideas floating around there. Yeah, I'm really kind of upset at what happened there because I thought a couple episodes ago, um, the one where that one Borg is like, Lucutus? Yeah. Um, they did like such a good job of setting up this idea of Hugh like working with the XBs and like talking to Picard and, and basically saying to Picard, you could be this voice for us. And he, he looked, he had this look in his eyes like he thought that was a good idea and i was wanting a season two i thought they were setting that up for season two which is picard fights for the voice of the xbs and yeah. a, whole, a whole other plot involvement with hugh but then yeah. as soon as they killed hugh they killed all any of that yep yeah so oh well so like you said that's it for the board cube that's so. it for the board cube all right what else do we have gang so much. So I guess we're back on the on La Serena. Yep. Um so okay, Soji arrives. Whoa, we showed like the beginning of the episode. Soji and Picard arrive on La Serena and immediately triggers Rios. Oh yeah. He sees her, his eye his vision goes blurry, and then he decides to go on a drinking binge and reminisce about his past in Starfleet and just sets his emergency holograms to run the ship while he hides out in his room. Pretty much. Okay, can I make an observation? Mm-hmm. So it's weird to me that we're explicitly dealing with artificial intelligence as the subject matter of this season, uh, specifically, you know, in this episode, the idea that there's a Romulan death cult that sees it as their mission to rid the life of sync uh, of uh, 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 artificial intelligence once it, it goes past a, the singularity or whatever term once a certain level of sophistication uh, to the point that we got people like you know all these XBs are getting gunned down but then hologrammatic artificial life is used super casually and no one blinks an eye at it absolutely so I'm not the only one who's where that's occurred right. No, no, I, I've it's, noticed it, it too. They, there's a certain callous disregard for the EMHs. Yeah, it's just kind of weird. Yep. Especially after, um, like, the sort of Trek's history with the EMH, the Doctor from Voyager. Sure, as that was, like, the next evolution after Data. In, or, or or a sort of parallel evolution to data and and similar themes were were i think we've talked about this earlier yes um yeah the idea of you know using images of slave labor and blah 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 sure. and you yeah. know, do they have autonomy and all this stuff and do they have rights as, as people so mm -hmm. yeah it is it's a really good point actually um i mean i feel like people on the on la serena are treating the holograms well right or yeah but ha have the romulan has the romulan death cult talked about oh yeah we need to get rid of holograms too have, yeah, have no. they yeah no. unless so, and they it's... also hate that we haven't seen them use them ah uh, yeah i don't think there's any issue there but i do feel like there's a certain kind of they don't there is a certain kind of casual disregard for the emhs i think on the show by the character. Well, yeah. yeah. Plus, like, if synth life is is banned in the Federation, but they can still use holograms, like that seems, yeah, that 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 seems like exactly, it, a bit. It, yeah. exactly, yeah. 
hmm, interesting. Maybe yeah. they'll maybe they'll talk about it. Maybe the holograms will become part of the finale about like another sort of race of of life that needs representation or something. Well, and I would think hologrammatic life would feel even more fragile than like an android, right? Because an android, if someone comes to shoot him, can run out of the way, and you know he's super fast or whatever. But uh, there's an episode where Tuvok gets mind controlled, and he says to 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 intimidate the EM to the doctor. He says, "Don't get too cocky, hologram. One well placed order, and you I could delete you from existence forever." Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if there was a group of synthetic life that would be really really scared, I would think it would be hologrammatic. And, and it mm. said they're just kind of in the background and the foreground of this issue at the same time. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway. No, it's interesting. Well, Having said I, that, I did enjoy the scene with all the different holograms. I thought that was cute. Santiago Cabrera is fantastic. Very really. charismatic. Very he charismatic. Mm-hmm. He's, got, he's got some major star quality, that guy. Yeah, yeah, that's why I say, like, I, I wish it was just uh, his show, right? I mean, or he had his own show, which maybe they're setting up. They may be t- testing him out to see, hey, could this guy could this guy uh, helm his own ship, so to speak? Yeah, maybe. Who knows? So we find out that he met Soji's relative or something or other. Something, an android that looked just like Soji. Yeah. So there's and, more than two. Yeah, there's probably a planet full of them that all look like her. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Yeah. Is that what we're going to find next week? Could be. I mean, Data and Laura looked exactly alike. Yeah. So. And they looked just like um, Noonien Sung. Yeah. So maybe we'll meet. The, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, it, it's so kind of hazy as to what we're leading into right now that. It's yeah, yeah. So, um, so maybe we should. <laughs> I almost feel like we need like a roundtable thing at the end of each of our sections to like, what did we learn with Rios and Rafi? We learned um, that Rios met Soji's cousin, and I think so. They met like two androids, mm-hmm. and that that there was some order that came in. From Starfleet, yes, to um, Rios's captain, who was basically his dad, um, to kill the androids and then destroy. Were they on a ship? I guess destroy their ship as well and just like make it look like that it never happened. And then he did that, and then he the grief of it made him kill himself in front of Rios. Yep. So that's pretty grim too. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, no wonder, no wonder this kid's kind of scarred. Yeah, all banged up. Does anyone know the um, relevance of the name of the ship that you've been Majid? Uh, I, I assume it's an Arabic explorer. Okay. Let me just Google it fast. So we also learn a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, and okay. an Arabic navigator and cartographer born in the 1430s. Cool. Um. Yeah, there's a um, a mall in Dubai called the Ibn Battuta Mall, which is about he oh. was basically like the Marco Polo of the Arab world. Oh, okay. And so I just, I just, I think Ibn means son of. Oh, cool. 
<laughs> now, I thought it would have been cooler to call to have it called Ibn Battuta rather than Ibn Majid, but um, you know, I'm sure he was cool too. Apparently, according to Wikipedia, he was known as the Lion of the Sea. Very cool. He became famous in the West as the navigator who helped Vasco da Gama find his way from Africa to India. So, an explorer for both uh, uh, Western civilization and the Middle East. So, how about cool it? Very cool. And it carries on the um, nautical theme to Rios's ships. Yes. So, <clears throat> meanwhile, I kind of like what they did, and I, I realize it's a lot, but I, I liked it anyway. Of um, R- Rafi, uh, when she's going to the holograms, she's not only exploring pieces of Rio's psyche to figure out what's going on with him and having us learn what's going on with him and that connection to the storyline. She's also asking them very pointed questions based on their expertise about some hunches that she has related to her, what I'm going to keep calling her conspiracy theory, um, even though it's not. It conspiracy, you know, it's it's a real thing apparently. Uh, but uh. this theory that she has about about the Mars, the attacks on Mars, um, and she figures out that the Conclave of Eight is this eight star solar system, so a solar system with eight suns in the middle, and that it's so uh, astronomically improbable that this should exist that no, that implies no no, no, that... no pun intended no pun intended. You you just used the phrase astronomically impossible to describe astronomy, anyway. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, no, actually, yeah, no, not even intended, like literally improbable on an astronomic level. Yes. <laughs> so astrid, I didn't even realize I was making a pun, but I was. That's okay. Um, so, so astronomically improbable that it's most likely that this the eight suns were brought together on purpose by uh, some in- form of intelligent life. So I thought that was interesting, and mm. I looked it up, and it turns out that we do not know of any eight-star systems in the universe. We know of two seven-star systems. Hmm. We, so the, the most we've ever discovered is seven stars, and we only know about two of those systems. So, I, I would think that any planet, and I, I mentioned this to you the other day, any planet that exists in a system like that would be so radioactive, it would be completely uninhabitable. Yeah, un, un, inhospitable. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if, you know, it could have a habitable zone that's maybe just way farther out from its star than ours is. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't think even an astronomer would... Maybe they could give you a more coherent answer, but I feel like it would be theoretical. Well, and to the 24th century technology that we have, you know, we've seen for the last 30 years could terraform a section of it to be habitable, right? Yeah, even or I guess, like, if natural. you're the kind of society that can move eight stars together... Yeah, you know, maybe yeah, maybe then you have the technology to make one an uninhabitable, uh, a habitable planet. Right. There. Yeah, but then it, it's kind of like the same paradox as the Dyson sphere in the episode with Scotty, where it's like if you had a civilization that could do that, it wouldn't need to do that, right? Oh, it would yeah. be so advanced, right? Yeah. Anyway, hmm. yeah. so the question becomes, who created that system? Mm-hmm. Well, and I guess the idea is that the whole system was created as like a, a signpost mm-hmm. for the glowing carousel of doom to be like, hey, <laughs> there's something important here. And I kind of like, like, I kind of love that idea. Yes, because, I do um, too. I remember learning about 
um, when I was back in college, I took some classes that thought about ideas like that. So if you um, had to design something to last, you know, a, a thousand years, a, ten thousand years, a million years, and presumably like the language will change. The you know, if you can't just oh, design yeah, yeah. on so, it. So what, what type of message would be universal? Yeah. And so like mm, yeah. talking about on Earth that we were talking about um, if you had like a, a, an area of nuclear waste that was going to be radioactive for, say, a million years and you had to leave some kind of a message to someone to say, like, don't go here. Like, do you build a structure that like looks very scary, like spikes coming out of it? Or you can't just put a sign that says don't go here. Right. You yeah, have to yeah. make it like universally obvious what it means. So I thought that that, that this was in, an interesting way. It's like, OK, it's we need, we need some kind of signpost that's going to last 200,000 years. Let's put eight stars together. That'll get people's attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah, could very well be. I guess we'll find out very soon who actually created it. When someone puts together these broken pieces. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I I wrote the review this week for, for TrekMovie.com. Everyone check out TrekMovie.com. HTTP colon slash slash. Um, I wrote the review for this episode, and I could not resist the temptation to use the phrase like broken pieces in almost every paragraph. <laughs> it's like as Rafi puts together the broken pieces, <laughs> he examines the broken pieces of Rios's broken pieces mind with his broken pieces holograms. <laughs> I entertain myself. <laughs> if if you don't entertain yourself then you shouldn't be doing this, right? That's right. Exactly. I'm in it. I'm in, I'm in this for myself. I don't know about you guys. You should. Every, every man should learn to love himself because it's the start of a love affair of a lifetime. Oscar Wilde. <laughs> Very good, Jared. That was great. Awesome. Thank you. So, okay. Meanwhile, Gerardi is having like a side quest. So, um, everyone knows she murdered Maddox at this point. Um, and my reaction to that is, like, they all seem kind of mad, I guess. Yeah. Sort of. Kind of. Rafi's more just like, I knew it. I'm going to go gloat that I was right and she sucks. And Picard's just like, I'm very disappointed in you. And then he kind of gets over it. <laughs> right? Well, Doesn't he? He does, it doesn't seem like they, they don't dwell on it all that long. They kind of feel bad for her after a while. Like, when, when they're doing that whole explaining the plot thing at the end she's at the table with the rest of them just going through the, uh -huh. you know uh -huh. like one of the gang well and and here's the other thing right so like i talked about at the beginning um of the podcast she she says to them that she saw this vision that O gave her and then it made her want to think that she had to kill maddox and no one questions that to be like wow like it was my, it was controlling you or you weren't yourself or right you know, like this was, oh, using you directly. No one stops to question that and says maybe it wasn't her fault. Maybe she was being manipulated in like a mind control kind of a way. Like to me, it was like maybe it seems obvious that at least that's what I thought they were going to do with this. If that's not what they do with it, I'm going to be a little disappointed because mm -hmm. I, I do feel kind of bad for Gerardi. Because I think it kind of wasn't her fault. Like if this is a vision that makes people rip their own faces off. <laughs> like let's let us not forget oh by the way we forgot to mention this other we, thing that, we, that we, we need 
We need like a, okay, you know, like the Richter scale for earthquakes or like the Schmidt <laughs> index for pain of like insect stings. We need like a, an index for the trauma of different visions from one to face ripping. Face ripping. This is a face ripping. This is 11. <laughs> this this oh, is, this is just a, li- a lip piercing. This is just a two on the scale. The, the other thing that these can do, which we, we forgot to mention during the, the opening scene, um, is that this also, when placed into the mind of a member of um, the Jat Vash, or the Tal Shiar. So Ramda was on a Tal Shiar ship that got assimilated, right? And then they all they all went crazy after they got assimilated. According to Nerissa, the reason that the artifact exists is because uh, Ramda was assimilated and she quote-unquote broke the Borg cube through her the sheer will of her despair or something like that. Mm. Hmm. So basically the visions in her head are so intense, they're at face ripping level, that when <laughs> the Borg cube assimilated her, they like got that information and it broke quote unquote broke the Borg cube. Cause no one else who'd been assimilated had ever felt despair before. Not exactly. Well, not to face ripping level. Alright, so all this lends this to this idea that whatever is coming has to be absolutely enormous in order like for this story to pay off like for these visions right yeah that's like it's another one of these earth ending universe Universe ending yeah universe ending stories and it's like the build-up now with this with these visions of being so bad that you know you you base people kill themselves (laughs) you're like setting up you're you're conditioning the audience to expect something like transcendental to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean. it reminds me of that one movie from the late 90s. Um, oh, come on. With Sam Neill and Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, Escape Point. Event Horizon. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah, where it's like this spaceship goes through a black hole and goes to hell and makes everyone go crazy. That's kind of what it reminded me too of too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you but. know, because I think there be... might be some face ripping in that movie as well. Oh well, there you go. So this was actually inspired by Event Horizon, maybe um, or loosely informed by would probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a direct homage. Um, and Battlestar Galactica. Yes, the um, intertextuality of Event Horizon and Number Six's backgasm, <laughs> spinegasm. That would have been the funnier term, spinegasm. Yikes! I don't like that. I don't like that word. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, that, well, just don't rip your face off, Kayla. It's not worth okay. it. Oh your God. face it's is not worth a face it. Ripping level. Okay, just good. It. Maybe like no. like lip biting level. But like the point you guys bring up is a really good one, and. This idea, like exactly what you said, Brian, it's making the audience think that there's going to be something like transcend- transcendental or something coming. Yeah. And I think maybe that's one of the things that got me so pumped is because I was really in the story. I loved I loved a lot of the things they did. And so I was like going along for the ride. And so meanwhile, as I'm going along for the ride, suspending my disbelief, my brain's like, oh, my God, this is going to be awesome. They're going to be it's going to be amazing. And like, I think I'm I think. I'm like, I've been a little bit upset that I liked the episode. This is 
weird i know but it's because i like i don't know that they can live up to this i because it, unless it's like the most amazing thing i've ever seen i think i'm gonna be let down and so yeah. i'm a little worried well it's been a long build-up they really have been and then this episode really amped it up further in terms of the sheer power of what this is going to be so we'll know very we'll know soon i mean yeah, two more episodes. Yeah. Yeah, we're right at the end. It's amazing. We were waiting so long for this show to get here, and now it's like almost over. Yeah. Went quick. Ten episodes is good, though. I like ten. It's a good number. It is, although I really do feel like this was stretched out. I mean, yep. I think it, yes. cause we know it was. And so, yeah. but I think it shows. Yeah, this, uh, this show feels like it should have been five to seven hours. And then they um, all of a sudden like hit the accelerator at this episode, and it, yeah. I assume it's going to keep up this pace for the rest of the yeah yeah season. I would think so I would think so. Buckle I, in. Yeah, uh, I I think I, me- I mentioned to you guys I just watched this Amazon show The Boys about mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. like if the Justice League were were a holes and people needed to take them out, and it, it has its strengths and its shortcomings. But it it was only eight episodes, and so I watched it over the course of two and a half days, and it felt just right. Whereas, and, and the whole and the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, oh, this is the exact right up tempo that this should have, hmm. uh, compared to, for example, Picard feeling a little stretchy. Hmm. There's what what we call in baseball a seventh inning stretch, which feels like it may have been going on for a little while. Yeah, it's true. Earlier on, though, for some reason, it started off a lot slower, and then it was up and down a bit with the pacing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's been really. That's one thing that's been really weird to me about the season is it's been really inconsistent. Mm-hmm. I think in style, in pacing, in literary choice, um, like this episode and episode five, which I absolutely hated, um, both had these elements of extreme gore violence Mm -hmm. that we've never seen anything come close to that in star trek yeah all of a sudden Khan putting a couple slugs in Chekhov's ear doesn't seem like such a big deal does it yeah or even like first contact where they have the um like drill bit going into picard's eye and you just see it yeah yeah yeah. second yeah that always like gets me every time i see it and now i'm just like someone's ripping their face off Uh uh-huh or shooting themselves in the head with a with a um or the phaser. Yeah, well, but if Romulan... Yeah, disruptor. disruptor. Disruptor, yeah. I also feel like some of the action scenes have been kind of crammed in. Like, especially in the first episode, because there were, like, the two fights. One in Boston mm. and then one at Starfleet Command. The Starfleet... Uh, the, the Boston one was okay, but the Starfleet Command one felt so much like, hey, we need some action or people are going to get bored. And... Mm. It's like if you think people are Star Trek fans are gonna get bored watching people talk, you don't know Star Trek fans. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I have to say, I have to, you have to say, I'm grateful for that. There haven't, there hasn't been that much action. No, I no, yeah, I, agree. I agree. I com- I agree. I completely agree. Like, and I mentioned a couple episodes ago, my favorite scenes are just where Captain Picard, or Admiral Picard and Agnes are talking. I find them so engrossing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let let's talk about a similar scene with. Um, Admiral Picard and Soji. I think we want to talk about this, right? Let's, yeah, let's sure. get into it. So this was like, I think, 
This was my favorite, one of my favorite moments from the entire series. What do you guys mm. think? Oh, absolutely. It was the highlight of this episode for me. Absolutely. Obviously, we're talking about the, when data, they're talking about data, just to put context for yep. our listeners. What did you think about it, Jared? I think Soji and Agnes should be merged into one character. <laughs> <laughs> I well, sorry, I don't, I, I don't have, I, I don't have much beyond that. Okay, so I loved the scene. I thought yeah, it was me too. okay, great, great, heartwarming. I thought to he- this is like this is what I'm here for as a TNG fan to w- watching this show called Picard. I'm here for like introspective retrospective looks into picard's history into data's history picard admits some things about himself and it makes the present situation more believable for me Mm. because um and brian i think you mentioned this really early on you're like picard and data weren't friends no no they weren't close you know and so this is weird all of a sudden he's like mourning him and like obsessed with him in a way um, but I like that Picard, because Picard's a totally different guy now. Well, both, you know, and it sort of parallels See. also, I think, what happened with Patrick Stewart. Mm. Um, he's this, like, carefree, happy-go-lucky guy who smiles all the time and hugs people. And that's not the Picard that we knew, particularly in the early seasons, but even by season seven. Like, he had never even played a game of cards with these people Well, and, until and the when finale. He, and- and when he says goodbye to Riker at the end of Nemesis, the man who has been his right arm for 14 years, they just shake hands. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And but that, can I tell you why that doesn't bug me? You're not the only person I've heard make that, that observation, but, but it doesn't bug me that he's more emotional. Because oh, I, I think, no, no. I think, and maybe, maybe I said this once already, I think we have this guy who chose his career over a family. Mm-hmm. And he gets to his end of life, and now that his career's over, he feels a hollowness, and so he's looking back with nostalgia to the closest thing he ever had to family, and he's he's very um, his memories of data are a lot more rose colored. Mm-hmm. So oh, I totally I actually, agree. I I actually think it makes more sense than if he still were the guy who couldn't abide having children on his bridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I actually totally agree. But I, I, for me, what I really liked about the scene was that it 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 hangs a lantern on this transition, Bam. right? Mm-hmm. It says, it's Picard says out loud, like, you know, she says, "Were you close with with Data?" And he's like, "In my own way," you know. And he says, "Data had t- trouble expressing emotion," and he's like, "Much like I had trouble, you know, right. expressing emotion." It was something and, we had in common. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was lovely. Mm-hmm. lovely and and it shows that whoever wrote this scene has a very very deep understanding and appreciation for the next generation mm-hmm. and like this was a very very loving h- handling a very ginger handling of, of discussion of the show mm-hmm. and what it was all about and i i just i freaking loved it yep me oh too. i dug it so uh, other Picard moments. Um, other were like so. This part I'm really confused on. Maybe you guys can help me figure this out. So Picard, while all this stuff is happening on the ship and everyone's having their adventures, Picard like hollow skypes, who I like to call Admiral F bomb, mm-hmm. <laughs> the woman who laid the very awkward F bomb on us a few a few episodes ago, and who laid another 
very awkward up f- at this point it's just like a running gag yeah i yeah. think so it seems like i it. hate it i don't i don't even mind like bad language it's not that it's just that the way they're using it is super clunky and like it, why it feels forced it feels totally. unprofe- it feels unprofessional um, totally there's... yeah the, the commander-in-chief of starfleet dropping f-bombs is kind of <laughs> yeah <laughs> very to, uh, to... very un- unseemly to uh-huh. a guy Not who's a literally no. saved the galaxy several times, um, it see, and also it seems like if if in the last couple years in our culture we've become more sensitive uh, with the you know uh, workplace behavior and whatnot. I have to figure that in Starfleet they'd have at least one session where it's like okay. You're a commanding officer now. How to not abuse old men who saved the galaxy before you had a job, right? <laughs> and, in, and instead, it's like every time she shows up, it's like, I'm, I'm just going to lay into you. And all of a sudden, you know, uh, what's, I can't remember, Natalie Nagluich, I've never, I've never been able to say her last name, who played um, Admiral Nechev, right? Mm. Uh-huh. She's, she's all, when you see her at conventions, she's always, because she was in a couple episodes of TNG, a couple episodes of Deep Space Nine. Because I think, like, her portfolio was the Cardassians in-universe. She's always very sensitive. Like, she wanted to portray a woman in a position of authority who was not a witch with a B, right? And <laughs> all of a sudden, Admiral Ebon has said, nope, we're going to throw that out of, out, out of the door, right? Because she uh, it feels no such constraints. Yeah, and she's, like, mad and appalled at everything Picard does for with very little provocation. Yeah. She was kind of mellow in this episode, though, I thought. <laughs> She did, didn't she? Tell him to shut the f up. Yeah, but over compared so. to compared to the last time we saw her, I guess. The sheer I, effing hubris. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I use that line all over the place now. Like someone will cut me off in traffic, and I'll be like, "The sheer <laughs> fucking hubris." <laughs> so, Admiral Afbomb, he calls her to be like, "Hey, I was right. I told you so. You gotta listen to me this time. I need a squadron." They gotta meet me at D Space Twelve, or maybe she says that I don't know. They're like, we're heading D Space Twelve. This chick like kill the guy. We're gonna turn her in. She's like, send me a squadron. We'll pick him up. Cool. And she's like, sure. Cool, right? So I first of all, I didn't understand why Picard was like immediately like we have to go to D Space Twelve and I need a squadron. Is he? And then and well and then subsequently, at, at the end of the episode, which we'll get to, they end up just like I don't think they're going to D Space Twelve. I'm very confused. No. I think no, they just when, skipped it. They they totally skipped it. That was there to just name drop. Soji obviously took... Yeah, they're going through the Transorp conduit. They're going straight to... Yeah, so what was the whole... There was like all this talk of Deep Space 12, and then we got to get a squadron. And like, is Picard expecting the fleet of Romulan ships to be that? They, I guess they know that there's That's a good question. Yeah. heading there? I think... So Maybe. I was very confused. I was like, why does he think he needs a squadron? What are they going there for? This gets back to your sort of point, Brian, is like, where are we going with this? Yeah. What's the end game here? Is there going to be a space battle? Like, I, so I'm, that this part was really frustrating to me, this whole scene. Yeah. Agreed. And then when it just doesn't pay off at the end, because they're like, just kidding, we're going to the Borg transwarp conduit. Then it was like, well, why do we, just like with the Borg cube, when they just, like, they just space all the, all the Borgs. It's like, why do we spend all this time building up to this whole plan of plugging in seven to the thing to the Borg cube? It's like, well, why do we spend all this time 
coming up with this plan for Deep Space 12 and the squadron if we're just going to abandon it. And right. I don't think we're going to hear about it again unless the squadron's going to... I don't know. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a good point. It's a good point. It's kind of more of like a Game of Thrones Season 7 thing to do. Where it's like, oh my gosh, we got so many characters. Let's just kill some of them. How? Uh, have a fire-breathing dragon eat them. It doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Right? Just this huge big thing we've been building up that people might have had theories about that. Oh, oh it's gone. Hmm. Just turn the brightness way down and have an epic battle for two hours. So no oh, that's a perfect on. idea. And leave a Starbucks cup around in a medieval setting that everyone will make fun of on the internet yeah. for the next ten years. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, it's definitely going to be a coffee bean and tea leaf cup in picard or i don't know what's the new what's the new hotness like with coffee blue bottle blue bottle is good okay there's gonna be a blue bottle cup then right. I feel like picard, picard's that kind of it's kind of like that kind of cast they're in a blue bottle <laughs> yeah so yeah so we're gonna skip deep space 12 we're, we're going through the the, the borg transwarp conduit to go to soji's planet which looks a lot like malibu <laughs> It does. You see the in pic- the pictures that we see, yeah, yes, it yeah, does. Yeah. It's like a hotel. Yeah. yeah. It'll be interesting to see. I assume that's where they shot it, but who knows. I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Malibu's a lovely place. Very lovely. And, and it would you know, continue the Star Trek tradition of shooting <laughs> extensive Within scenes 30 in, minutes southern, from in Los southern, Angeles. In, yeah, in Southern California. Yeah. Oh, it's mm-hmm. 100% Southern California. Yeah. 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 No question. Yeah. But that's, like I said, long-time Star Trek tradition. Well, they got to earn those tax credits they got. That's right. It's true. And I don't know if you notice, if like, on the the, the picture that's the, um, like, header image for um, our article on Trek Movie, that's the, the checkout for new photos from part one of the finale. Um, there's a picture of the Malibu Hotel. And then in front of it, there is another, maybe, sort of similar glowing carousel maybe oh, know. you know i did not even notice that huh. but it's like a ring of of fire like pillar things no, it's like a ring of pillar things and then there's like a blue glowing light and each of the pillars is glowing red hmm. i don't know maybe it's like uh, connected to the maybe it's a coincidence that maybe yeah. it's connected to the 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 carousel interesting oh yeah i'm looking at it now oh yeah I also that love that the, that, that the can't new be a coincidence. Thing. You think? You think it's like a maybe they can like portal or it's like linked to that or something? Yeah, maybe. Like, there's another message there. Who knows? Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. Um, I also love that the new thing in sci-fi is to make a planet look more alien. You go to Southern California still, because obviously, and then you make some of the plants red. Yeah. Is that how you do it? Oh, yeah. Go look See, at the pictures. Historically, the way you showed alienness was uh, blue, right? Especially like with food, because there's no naturally occurring blue food. And of course, oh, the, sure. most, the most famous example of that, Kayla, is... Um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, blue milk. Blue milk. <laughs> I was kidding. I, was, I honestly didn't know what you meant, though. Sorry, okay. sorry, <laughs> sorry, because you talk about blue milk so much. But hey, we could talk about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. The first thing that came to mind was Violet, turning Violet. <laughs> oh. Yeah. 
Hmm. Anyway, that's wow. We digress. Yeah, that was a sharp left turn there. Yeah. <laughs> Look, it's late. It is. We're all Everyone's very tired. A little bit stressed out right we're, now. We're all stressed yeah. out. Yeah. Some of us got earthquakes today. We're that's we're, right. We're lucky yeah. to be able to be putting this out at all. Okay, Jared was we... woken up by an earthquake this morning. Yeah, it's a little scary. Yeah, if we if we if we sound a little bit unfocused or a little listless tonight, it's because we're all exhausted. <laughs> yeah. I feel like everyone can give us a little bit of leeway. Yeah. Today. Yeah. We we will definitely be better for next week for the for the and the next week after that for the finales. Mm-hmm. Two part finale. Can 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 I talk about a couple of continuity points? Please. Sure. Okay, so they make mention to Marta Botanides, who uh-huh. is, was the uh, classmate in my favorite episode, Tapestry. That was fun to hear her name dropped. And then they also mention the Viridium Tracker, which is the thing that Spock puts on Kirk in Undiscovered Country in to Undiscovered be able to Country, yeah. track him when he's in Klingon space. Nice yep. two little references that weren't hitting you over the head, but they could give you a little smirk and give people who edit Memory Alpha something to do the next day. <laughs> yep. Very yep. nice touch. Yeah. Okay, then there's the... also... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yep. Yeah, go ahead, Joey. Okay, then I had one other continuity point that I wanted to get into about Romulans and artificial intelligence. Um, there's this episode I really like called The Defector. It's a third season episode where... This Romulan admiral defects to the Enterprise because he thinks a war's about to start. And uh, there's a scene where he's on 10 forward and Data's there and he's like um, sort of leering at Data. And, he, and Data talks to him and, and says, hey, what's going on? And he says, you're the android, aren't you? I know a host of Romulan cyberneticists that would be loved to, close to, you, loved to be this close to you. And Data says, I do not find that concept particularly appealing. And the admiral, Romulan admiral says, nor should you. Because, you know, these Romulan cyberneticists would dismantle him or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But if the Romulans, if they have a death cult that kills artificial intelligence, how would they have cyberneticists? Maybe to protect against it. It could be. Like people that study it so that they can understand how to defeat it. Mm. Sure. Maybe every Romulan cyberneticist gets taken aside right before they get their PhD. And it's like, okay, look. Buddy, this is what it's like. Or maybe they're all Jot Vosh. It could be. It could be. Anyway, it's just, I keep thinking, because I love that episode so much. It's so good. And and I'll, that one moment keeps coming back to me when I watch this. Anyway, Brian, you wanted to say or, something about continuity. Oh, maybe, sorry. Yes, maybe on Romulus, the word cyberneticist means one who dismantles cybernetic beings. Oh, that's why they'd want to be close <laughs> guardians. to Guardians. So, they're guardians. So they... They could mm-hmm. uh, they could hit his off switch. Mm-hmm. It also explains why the Romulans in that episode of Voyager hated the Andy Dick hologram so much. <laughs> also, Andy Dick. Yeah, yeah I was just about to, to say that. Yeah, yeah, you didn't. To do with that. No one needed a reason to hate Andy Dick in the late nineties. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I have one last thing I'd like to say about the. Let's episode. hear it. Sure, Let's hear it. So yeah, before we close up, just like one last one last point I wanted to hit on because I think this I really liked this. Um, for me, the Soji character has taken a lot of effort for me to like 
to for her to grow on me. Um, like I kind of like her, but I feel like she's a little bit bland. She In is. fact, I think that we talked about this before. Maybe it was last week with you, Jared. We were talking about how um, Dodge had like way more personality than Soji, and we've barely we barely got to meet her at all. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Good point. And but um, what I really liked at the end of this episode, Soji like wakes up and seems to take control of her destiny. And throughout the episode, she seemed to be gaining as she gained more and more understanding of like her memories and things like that. She seemed to be gaining more and more um, you know, self-awareness and, and yeah, again, like taking control of her own destiny and um, sort of self, self-motivation self for everything. And it really mm. made her feel whole for me as a character. So I'm, cool. really hope, I'm hoping that in the next episode we'll get to see like the new Soji and we'll get to like really get to know her rather than just this sort of like mousy little thing who's just being taken mm. around because she's had no you know no control of anything around her at this point she's just been taking on this whirlwind right. ride so now she's like we're going in this conduit this is what we're doing i have a purpose now so i don't know i really like that about this mm-hmm. episode good excellent excellent point so all right well let's let's just end on that i know all right so yeah, I guess off we go into the into this conduit. Ooh, and remember, there is unbeknownst to them a small Jat Vash ship following. Mm-hmm. So, um, one of our annoying um, Romulan characters is going to end up back in the mix next week. Yep, bring back Narek the Neckbeard. Narek the Neckbeard, the ex, the ex boyfriend. Ugh. <laughs> If she takes him back, I swear to God. No, she won't. No, I don't think so. No, no. But, um... All right. So I guess that's about it for this week. Tune in again next week um, to see part one of the two-part season finale. Yep. It's in Arcadia Ego, part one. So uh, is that Latin? What does that mean exactly? Et in Arcadia Ego. So yeah, it it is Latin and it means I too was in Arcadia, okay. which I, I guess refers to like um, some kind of utopia or heaven. Okay, uh, Wikipedia says it was regarded as living close to nature, uncorrupted by civilization and virtuous. So maybe like when these synths are brought online, they're in a perfect sort of Edenic state. Uh-huh. I guess I guess that's what it's referring to. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very good. And one last thing before we go, I'm really excited to announce that we have finally opened a Patreon page for the ShuttlePod podcast. Uh, For those of you who have been listening to us from the very beginning, we started this podcast about six years ago now. Uh, Or those of you who are just joining us, if any of you want to support what we do, it's a really awesome way to do that. You know, we have various tiers, the whole deal. You can check us out at patreon.com slash shuttlepod um and tell your friends and yeah that's just we really appreciate you guys we uh, have zero budget to do this podcast and we love being able to bring it to you every week at the moment and then bi-weekly when we go back to our normal schedule after picard ends um thank you guys for being the most awesome fans out there and supporting us in what we do so that we get to uh just sit around and chat with each other about star trek every week so thanks again and check out the patreon page all right well i guess until then 
we'll see you around. See you next week, guys. Thanks for joining Take care. us. Stay healthy. Bye, everybody. <laughs>